0: Hey Reach Paramount, welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message is from our midweek service with Pastor Rob Santiago in a message entitled Make It Count. Enjoy this message. Amen. Well, you you may be seated. Amen. Thank you so much. Amen. I Jacob was preaching fire up here. I was just gonna tell him to keep going. He tore it up, man. Good job, Jacob, and um, it was very special to hear you say that, not your dad. It, it worked really well. So it was good to see that, man. I'm glad you entered that. But before we get into today's service, I think it's important that we acknowledge, uh, the tragedy that happened in Texas, um, at Robb Elementary. Um, I just want to pray and I want you guys just to pray for the families. want to pray for peace and comfort and just that God would just begin to move there. And, and, um, and we just need to uplift the families, the elementary school, the staff, the faculty, and everybody involved. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, Father, we just we, we come to you, Lord, broken and confused, Father. And we just ask, Lord, we just uplift uh, Rob Elementary, Lord, that you would just begin to move in that place. And the families that are affected, the victims, Lord, that you would just be with those families. Lord, as they cry out to you, Lord, as they seek you for answers. That it would just cure the confusion in their minds, give them the peace and the love that your word so graciously gives, Lord. And we just pray, Father, that you would just move in that situation, Lord, that you just provide the understanding. And we just thank you and we love you and we surrender to your will in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, I just want to say I, I'm, I'm very honored to be here this evening with you guys. I think. I think it's crazy that a bunch of, I say this all the time, but that a bunch of Christians get together on a Wednesday night to hear the word. After work, after we're tired, after, you know, maybe our week hasn't been going the way we thought it would, or, you know, we could put all that aside for just a moment and think about his goodness, and it's just, uh, I'm just honored. I'm honored to be here with you all. Um, but just before I get, I get into it, um, you know, I was thinking, was thinking. Just to tell you a quick story, when I was younger, I fell in love with this movie called Saving Private Ryan. Anybody like that movie yeah well it 's pretty gory i don 't recommend you watch it after you 're saved. Um, I watched it before I was saved, but this movie made an impact on me I remember when i was i was it was coming out I think I was fifteen years old um, and so it was coming out and I remember I went to the theater and just seeing like what's happening in Normandy and just the opening scene was just captivating, right? It was just amazing. And then the story itself was, was awesome. It, basically, if you don't know the story, I'll just give you a quick synopsis. But you have these five guys that were given orders to go find uh, James Private Ryan. I think, that, I think that was his name. So they got to find him in the middle of this war and, and, and it's just a mess. And it's because he already lost his brothers, And so the orders came so that the mother doesn't have to lose her final child to go find him and get him off the battlefield. And so it was interesting. At the end of this movie, I got very frustrated though. At the end, if you remember the end, I'm going to try to describe it to you. Tom Hanks is is like at the foot of this tank. If you guys remember this, and he's, he's guarding a bridge. And so he's at the foot of this tank and he's got his pistol out, right? And he's He's shooting another tank with a pistol if you know the story or if you know anything about that that's not going to do anything but he keeps shooting it and shooting it and Private Ryan is there right, right in that situation and, and anyways Tom Hanks starts to pass away he gets shot and he just continues to fight very very emotional scene but he, he utters some words that for like I don't know like a year I didn't know what he said and nobody knew what he said At the end of that movie, he utters this word, and you couldn't really hear it, but he utters these words, earn this. James, earn this. And I'm like, okay, what did he say? So I had to wait till the movie came out, and I had to put the subtitles on. Because I'm like, what did he tell him? He whispered something in his ear. What did he tell him? And the subtitle said, James, earn this. And it was interesting because... I started to remember what that meant. And really, all those guys, I think all of them ended up losing their life for this one. Just for this one, so he can go back home to his mother and his mother would have a child left in this world. But I started to realize what that meant. It meant that he had to earn the freedom from the blood that was shed. He had to earn the freedom of the blood that was shed. If you know that movie, you'll know that they lost more than five guys. There was a lot of people that lost just to follow this order. I can only imagine that if they were following this order, they were probably wondering what the heck are we doing? Are we really gonna send six, eight, 10 of us for the one? Is it really worth all of our lives to just go get that one? And they were walking in obedience doing this to serve their country. Now, I know Memorial Day is upon us. I figured it would be appropriate to tell that story. But honestly, salvation is a gift. But we need to walk every day like we're earning it. We need to walk every day like we need to earn that salvation. It is a gift. God gives it to you, and you have to unwrap it. But you also should walk like you're earning it. And you're probably wondering, well, what does that mean? Why do I have to earn it? Well, when you give your life to Christ, you are sacrificing your life, just as he sacrificed his life. But you need to walk like you've been bought with the blood of Christ. You need to walk like you've been free. I, I have this saying I say at work, because if you don't know my position at work, I, I, I train trainers. And so... I have a team of trainers that work for me, and I always tell them, when you walk into that room, you act like you know. But I don't. I said, I don't care. You act like you know. I, and they're like, really? I said, if you don't know, now you know. And you act like you know. I said, don't go in there looking all weak, and looking all like you don't know what's going on, and you're not technical enough, and it, Don't show that weakness in front of them because it's just gonna transfer to them as students. I said, act like you know. So you want us to lie? I said, I'm not telling you that. I'm telling you to act like you know. It's completely different. And if you don't know, you're gonna find out. You'll find out after this session what you don't know and you're gonna refine yourself so you can teach it next time. And so, again... This is something that we need to walk in. We have to walk like we earn it. In 2 Timothy chapter two, verse eight through 13, it says this, Paul writes this to Timothy, a young man in Christ, he says, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David as preached in my gospel for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. Paul's giving us instruction, and it's simple instruction, folks, that Christ is walking with you. He's inside of you. You've asked him to come into your life. That means things need to change in your life. If you died with him, you will also live with him. That means when you go to places you shouldn't go, he's going with you. When you go to, when you say things you shouldn't say, he's listening and watching you. That means you are living with him. You are living with Christ. See, when you earn something, right? Has anyone ever earned something? Let's say you go on vacation. You saved up money for six months to go on a vacation. When you're on that vacation, how do you feel? You're like, yep, I earned this. This is all mine. I earned this. I saved the money. I feel, doesn't it feel good? Or maybe, you know, there's a car you want, right? And this Tesla is probably like $40,000 right? And you're probably like, you know what? I'm going to save up money to get that car. And you finally get that car and you're driving it. How do you feel? I earned this. I got this car. I deserve this. I did what I did to get it. You may have worked, I don't know, overtime for six months just to pay for it. You know you or or just to get into it so you can finance it whatever it may be but you're thinking there when you're driving that car you're the hottest thing on earth. <laughs> but what makes it sweet is not that you have it but that you earned it. So I'm here to tell you you need to walk in confidence. This is my first point. When you walk in confidence, right? When you walk in confidence, you need to understand that it should match your values and your lifestyle. See, those of us that are not confident in the Lord, not confident in our spirituality, right? It's probably because our decisions don't match our values or our lifestyle. So you're probably wondering, well, how does that work? Well, it's simple, right? If you wanna be able to preach God's word, you gotta live God's word. If you want to preach on righteousness, you got to know how to live righteously, right? So you walk in that confidence because our decisions need to match our values and our lifestyle. See, if you're not walking in confidence, I'm going to tell you what it is. It's probably because you've made some bad decisions in your life it's probably because you've made some decisions that have destroyed your confidence in God. It's not because that God is not working enough in you, it's because you haven't developed the values and made those decisions based off those values for God to work in you. See, a lot of us think we, oh, well, God needs to be able to do this for me, or he hasn't given me a voice in the church yet, or I don't know enough about the Bible. Where in that is God's fault? That is not his fault. That is our fault. When we don't walk in the confidence that the Lord is with us, it is not his fault. It is our fault. And so I think what we go around doing is we start looking at, you know, our confidence level. And why am I teaching you this? I'm teaching you this not so I can judge you, but you can judge yourselves. You know, I hope you're thinking about yourself right now, nobody else. But I hope you're thinking about yourself when I preach on this. Where's your confidence level? Because God is looking for you to earn it, so you can reign with Him. Such as what Paul said. See, so you have to earn it by the choices you make in life. Is everyone enjoying the series on choices? Yes. Pastor Omar's doing a tremendous God and you know, a, a tremendous job. You know, I love what he says. He says, he says this: If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. I put Pastor Omar Lopez right there. If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. I love this book I've, I've been reading. It's, it's, it's Jordan Peterson. It's, it's called, um, um, uh, you know, I forgot the name of it and I didn't even put it in here. But this is the name of the chapter, first chapter. Stand up straight with your shoulders back. It says stand up straight with your shoulders back. In other words, it, it's telling us a little bit about being confident. And this is what he says about confidence. And, and, and it's, and it's, I want you to just listen. The poor and stress always die first and in great numbers. They're also much more susceptible to non infectious diseases such as cancer, diabetes, and heart disease. Walking in confidence can bring good health to your life. And I'm like, whoa, that's a crazy thing. You know, honestly, I don't believe Jordan Peterson is saved, but he's understanding the whole thing about confidence. You know who else spoke about confidence? It was Jesus. Jesus spoke about confidence. You probably wonder, did he really? Yeah, he did. He told his disciples to be confident. I'm gonna read this to you. Before Jesus ascends into heaven, this is what he says. In Mark chapter 16, verse 15, he says, and he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation, Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Now look what he says in verse 17. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. And they will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out, preached everywhere, while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying the signs. In other words, church, think about this. When you're walking in that confidence, you don't have fear, the same fear that the world does. You shouldn't carry on the same fears that the world does. You should understand and know that your faith is going to amount for something in any circumstance. It doesn't matter. You will be casting out demons. You'll be speaking in new tongues. And even if you drink any deadly poison, you will not get sick. And then it says, and they went out and preached everywhere. Think about the worst place that you don't want to go. Maybe it's a hood that you shouldn't be in. (laughs) Some of you, man. I love it, my past you know, we, hey, some of us, we come through some rough lives, man. Some of us are scared to go to certain areas. It, it, it's true. It's true. Imagine going out and preaching everywhere, even where they don't like you. Even when they don't want to hear you. The disciples began to do that. And if you continue to read the Bible and the New Testament, you know that they went Everywhere even if it was dangerous. Paul was shipwrecked on the island of Cyprus. He was stoned. He was, I mean, it's just, you name it, it happened to him. He was kicked out of towns. Just to establish the church, it takes confidence, not from you, but from the Lord to do something like that. Because God will do something to you where it'll change you so much that you'll become so confident in the things of him that you, it starts to pour out of you. In scripture, in preaching, and whatever it may be, ministry begins to take off. See that today, the world is determined to destroy your confidence. Why do they want to destroy your confidence? Because if you're confident, you cannot be controlled. I'm going to say it again. If you're confident, you cannot be controlled. And one thing that the world is trying to do to us, and we see it, and I don't know if it's purposefully. I'm not going to say it is. But I do think that it's subconsciously. The world wants to teach you about identity. They will teach you about identity in certain ways. They'll give you facts. Fabricated facts for you to believe things. I turn on the news today, church. I don't know what's true anymore. And I'm wondering, what is going on? Is this true? Is that true? I got to look at this indication. I got to, is this true? And i, I I don't even know what to believe. The media is beginning to tell us stuff. I think the other day I heard, I heard someone, I think Pastor Omar brought it up, I can't remember. But I even saw this, where people believe that men can get pregnant. I'm like, what statistic is that? Is that one person and we're changing everything now? You know, and so, and then we can't even get a, give a definition of what a woman is anymore. And I'm wondering, I'm like, what the heck is going on with this world, man? So then that attacks the social construct. This is what I want to tell you about the social construct. We are a community here. In this church, we're a community. This is a community. Your friends are here. And some of you consider each other family, and you're not. You've built a heavy relationship. You've built community. And so the social construct, with with, with everything, you turn on your TV, you turn on your, your social media, whatever it is, it's trying to tell you and lie to you about things. It's pressuring you to believe certain things that may not even be true. And so the social construct begins to break down. We don't know how to talk to each other anymore. Social media begins to, kind of dilute what we're trying to say. How do we, should we speak to each other? The other thing is, a lot of the world start, is starting to look like, at least in this country, we start to look at each other by our political views. This is the one that scares me the most because the political views have somehow become ideology. This ideology is what you live by. It's a word called values. You turn on the news or whatever you want, someone is trying to tell you what your values are. Do you want to know why they're doing that? Because that determines your decisions. That determines your decisions. So where are your values at? Who can you trust to give you values? Who can you trust? It certainly ain't on a phone screen and it shouldn't be. Your values are the denominator to every decision you make in life. You walk confidently when you know your values. Pastor Omar preached about this. This isn't new, I'm not preaching anything new here. You walk confidently, when, or you make better decisions when you know your values. If you know what your values are, you say, I know a decision I'm going to make. But if people are telling you what your values are, you have a problem. If you value love, you will live a life of love. If you value political ideologies, your identity and life will revolve around that. You will be attracted to these things. Your values and now your decisions are affected by them. In Isaiah chapter five, verse 20, mind you, this, this scripture is the old, in the Old Testament, it says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. In Second Timothy, in the New Testament, chapter four, verse three, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They'll accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. In other words, we're not going to go to the Word of God. We're going to go to something else to tell us that makes us feel better about what we believe. As it, it, fits in, it fits in my puzzle, therefore, it must be true. Here's what the problem is in the world's value system, they're always changing. If you're gonna trust a, a, a congressman, if you're gonna trust some political value or, or some political movement or some, you know, I don't know, maybe you're, you're trying to stay as woke as possible. If you're gonna trust these things, let me tell you something. I'm old enough now to have seen it. I'm 39. And everyone's like, how old is he? <laughs> I'm old enough to now to have seen it. And those of you that are older than me or the same age, around the same age, you've seen it too. They change. Those values change, that's the most frustrating thing about the environment and the nation we live in, is it changes, and that is so frustrating because for some of us, we've, we've fallen right into it. We truly believe some of these things, and we thought they were true, and all of a sudden, someone is changing. And it's like, what the heck's going on? But you know what doesn't change, church? The Word of God has never changed. The Word of God has never changed. I don't know about you but I don't want to live some fluid ideology. That's not why I'm preaching today. My values are not based on anything else in the word of God. And I don't want you to fall into a trap where you're living through some fluid value system that is on your phone. That is it. That is a wrong way to get your values. You know, there's certain people in our families, there's always one person in our family where we're just like, man, that guy thinks way different than I do. <laughs> Maybe it's an uncle, like, oh, man, he's a little weird. Right, we all have a family member like that. And if, you, hey, if, you, if you're sitting here and you're like, I don't have a family, it's you. <laughs> yeah. like, right? I say that because, hey, look, I, ha- I have it too, right? It's like, man, that guy can't make good decisions. You know, it's like, Right, and so we think about, we think about this stuff and, and honestly, our value system is so important to how we make these decisions in our lives. And I, I think what, what we're getting into is we're getting into this fluid value system trying to come into the church. And it's, it's trying to change the word of God. Let me tell you something, this doesn't need to change. The word of God is, has been proven, it's never been disproven. It's been validated as the greatest history book to ever be written. It's also the single source of truth. That means every piece of truth that has been built off of this has come from this. It's one of the oldest written books in the world, if not the oldest. It doesn't need to change. It's withstood every political environment it's been preached in. Nations that have turned their way from it have fallen. Why do we need any other value system in life? Why do we need anything else in our life other than the word of God? So I wanna go over quickly. I'm already running out of time. There are several ways we could strengthen our values this evening. Let me just explain this for just a moment because I wrote, I didn't write this down word for word. Anyone ever use a compass before? A compass, I wanna talk about the moral compass. Nobody really wants to talk about a moral compass anymore. But we need things in our life to help guide us, right? We need people, we need family, right? We need some, sometimes we need help, right? So we turn to a moral compass. This moral compass should be the word of God. In order to strengthen your value, you should turn towards the word of God. The Bible does, doesn't outright tell you everything. Like for example, it's not gonna tell you who to marry. If you're in this church and you're expecting someone to tell you who to marry, don't, we can't do that. The Bible doesn't do that. The Bible doesn't tell you what job you should have. The Bible doesn't tell you certain things and decisions that you need to make. It's like, where can I find it in the Bible? Well, it's not there. It's a compass. Does a compass tell you what road to take? It just tells you what direction to go in. The word of God is going to tell you what direction to go in. You're like, well, when I open the Bible, Pastor Rob, it doesn't tell me what direction I should go in. Well, there's there's only a few ways to get direction from the word of God. Here are the two ways. You need to know what the Bible commands, not certain scriptures, Not one scripture, not just the New Testament, but the Old Testament as well, the whole thing. You should know what the Bible commands as a whole, not certain parts of it. The second thing is, you just need to trust God. Because once you understand number one, number two should just come following right along with it. If you truly understand what the Bible commands, you will then start to trust in God. And so this is probably one of the best things I could tell you to do to strengthen your values. I love when people come to me and they ask for me for advice. I love that because, you know, quite honestly, I I love it, I enjoy it. I love giving people advice and I hope all the advice I give works. But I didn't take a psychology, I don't have a psychology degree. I'm not gonna sit there and tell you like what's wrong with your life. I'm just gonna tell you what the word of God says. That's all I'm here for. That's all I can do. And that's all I'm really positioned to do. Because I believe that God is at work through his word. See, if you're walking in fellowship with God and acting according to the principles recorded in his word, making big decisions become less complicated. You're saying, I know the word of God, therefore I know a direction to go in. So whatever decision you have to make to get you to that direction, you're gonna make that decision. The other thing is, be confident in the knowledge of the word, be confident in the knowledge of it. I think a lot of times we fail at this one. We tend to think that we, we know so much about the Bible because you go to church so much, but you have to read it. And then you have to study it. A brother in the church called me the other day and he asked me a very basic question. I was so happy to answer that question. I think a lot of people are afraid to ask basic questions. But if you have missing gaps in your understanding of the word of God, you need to start asking those questions or go figure it out. Because you can get those answers anywhere. Believe it or not, you can get those answers off the internet. You can get accurate answers off the internet about the Bible to make sure to validate. Then you begin to study it. You have to make effort, be confident in your knowledge of the word. And you need to strengthen it. See, some of us aren't doing any of that. Can I be honest with you? There, there are books that you should be reading even outside the Bible. But if you can't even pick up your Bible, don't start reading those books. If you can't even pick up your Bible, don't start reading those books. You're gonna have some author disciple you? Somebody that doesn't even know you exist. You're gonna allow them to speak in your life. Or maybe some YouTube video that's just really cool because it's got a cool thumbnail. You're gonna have that, yeah, you're gonna have that one, it's gonna be the one that's gonna disciple you, right? Or, or, guess what, it doesn't even have to be me, it could be the word of God. It doesn't have to be a pastor, it could be the word of God. I think we want discipleship without reading the word these days. We want change, we want guidance without reading God's word. Pastor, tell me what it says. No, you tell me what it says. What does it say? It, the other thing is, if you don't confide in a community of believers, you need to. You wanna strengthen your value system? You get around people that have good value systems. Right, let me, and, and, and let me just kinda of soapbox for just a minute on this. Your spiritual relationships are the most important relationships in your life. They are the most important. If you start to sever or hurt those relationships, you may not get a relationship like that ever again. And it's very difficult to get back into church after you do that. When you begin to sever yourself and separate yourself from the the community that loves you, that wants the best for you, that wants to share and worship with you, because you ain't gonna find that in the world. You're not gonna find it there. It's this community that we've built, not me, not even Pastor Mark, God built this community for us. We're all here together for a reason. That is very, you could clap for that. You clap for each other. But you need this. You need these healthy relationships in your life because when you're going through the ups and downs, some of us know we probably don't make great decisions and we don't have a great value system, but I need to confine in a community that does. And you're going through those ups and downs, you're going to need prayer. You're gonna need a hug. You're gonna need to make that phone call because you're on your wits' end. You know, you're gonna need that. You're gonna need people that serve God to guide you in the right direction. This is why we have connect groups for you guys to connect. It's not so you know you can get up here and preach. It's so you can connect so you have a community of believers that is gonna stand with you and beside you. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 9, it says, resist him firm in in your faith knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world see maybe you're here and you're like you know I don't have a lot of friends here you need to get to know people in church you have to make friends in church stop hanging out with the same people too it's okay to go out your circle okay it's okay We encourage that. Go hang out with each other. So and so from another connect group, they're gonna hang out. That's awesome. Go hang out with each other. We wanna build a community of believers that is strong. Heal the relationships that you've burned. Spend time with them. Make new friends. If you're here and you don't have enough friends in this church, try harder. Pastor Morris says, if you want a friend, you gotta go be a friend. That's what he says all the time. Now this is probably one of the most important ones and it's probably the longest point I'm gonna make. And this is the last point I'm gonna make. You need to invite the Holy Spirit into your life. If you want a good value system, there's nothing greater than the Holy Spirit. And I love what Pastor Mike said when he came and preached here the other day. I think he credited Diga for this concept. And he said, you know, the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. Do You guys remember when he said that? He said, the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. And in other words, he's such a gentleman that he's gonna wait. And Mike did this in the corner. He's gonna wait. And he's gonna see like, is it okay for me to come now? Is it okay for me to walk with you now? Is it okay that I I insert myself here? No, Holy Spirit, you stay back. These aren't the right friends for you to come out and see yet. Is it okay for the Holy Spirit to come now? No, it's not. Stay back. Not time for you to work yet, Holy Spirit. In other words, he's a gentleman. He's gonna wait. He's gonna wait for you. I read, I'm reading this book, um, or I read this book. It's only 100 pages. And I shared this with my connect group. It's A.W. Tozer, who's the author, and he says how, it, the name of the book is How to Be Filled with the Holy Spirit. It's only 100 pages. And, and he says this. Here's how to receive. First, present your body to him. God can't fill what he can't have. Now I ask you, are you ready to present your body with all of its functions and all that it contains? Your mind, your personality, your spirit, your love, your ambitions, your all. Are you ready for that? See, in order to receive the Holy Spirit, you've got to ask for the Holy Spirit. You've got to invite him into your life. And I don't think you've made room because you can't invite him if you have no room in your life for him. So when you ask, if you want the Holy Spirit to help you with your values and you want to walk in the Spirit, you have to invite the Holy Spirit into your life. This is what Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 through 2. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The Holy Spirit's a gentleman. You need to invite him. I think a lot of us are waiting for him and we're not inviting. But you need to invite him into your life. This is how you strengthen your value system. This is how you strengthen these decisions. And going back to my first point, how can you walk in the confidence with the Lord without the Holy Spirit? See, some of us are are dancing around playing church. It's like bumper cars. We're just hitting each other with issues and we're not really changing much. We're not changing much at all. I always told myself when when I started attending this church, 18 years ago, I always told myself, I don't, I don't want to be in the same pew after one year. I don't want to be in the same seat I was last year. I don't want to be doing the same things I did last year. I want to be challenged. I want to learn different things. And, and you know what? I started to realize that as I begin to challenge myself, I started to realize, man, like, I'm taking on a lot. I, I need the Holy Spirit in my life. I just totally took on all these mantles. I'm like, man, I can't do this without God at all. And, and I'm not telling you to do it the way I did it. I'm telling you to invite him now. I'm telling you to invite him today. But you have to make room for him. You can't just say like, okay, God, I'm here to receive the Holy Spirit. Well, what are you going to do differently? Oh, nothing. I'm waiting for you. Well, he's like, well, I'm waiting for you to do something different. You have to make room for the Holy Spirit to operate in your life. If you want a righteous life, you will need and want the Holy Spirit to be right beside you, walking in confidence and knowing that you earned it. And say, you know, I, I walk with confidence. If you're that person that maybe hears the Lord and says, hey, I want you to go talk to that guy and go tell him about me, and you don't do anything about it, you should check your confidence level there. You should check your confidence level there. Because I remember one time I went, I went out to eat with somebody in the church, and I thought we were just gonna have a good time and go watch a game. And this is a long time ago, okay? Don't judge me. And so we go out to eat, I meet them, and before we even get in, this person's ministering to somebody on the, on the sidewalk. And I'm like, okay, I'll, you know, five minutes, cool. Five minutes turned into like 20 minutes, and I'm like, dude, really? I'm hungry. <laughs> I thought we were gonna hang out today. The game already started right? And I'm like, dude, really? What's going on? Man, come on, dude. Like, really? You gotta- Can't you just put it away for a second? Like, we do this at church all the time. Can we just pause it today so we can just hang out? Right? And I'm thinking like, oh my gosh. Like, but I look back on those days. I'm like, you're an idiot for thinking that. <laughs> like, do you realize that he was trying to get somebody saved and you were not even a part of that? One time I was in, um, and I'm just gonna tell this story, I was in uh, Nicaragua on a mission trip, and I don't speak Spanish. But they're like, hey, today we're gonna go on the mountainside, and we're gonna tell people about Jesus, and I'm like, great. How am I gonna do that? <laughs> right? I'm like, what am I gonna do? Right, well, you're gonna go with, you're gonna go with Pastor Angel. Right? And so, um, I didn't plan to tell this story, but it, this is gonna be really good. <laughs> he so we see this guy on the mountainside, right? I'm just kind of like there with my backpack. You know, I totally look like a tourist. I'm in this little village, but it's all, it's beautiful. It's a mountainside village. And Pastor Angels he's preaching to this guy. I have no idea what's going on. So I'm just kind of like watching his back, making sure I was playing security, you know? You know, like making sure, hey, we're ministering. And so he's preaching in Spanish to this guy. And I'm like, I'm starting to feel a little out of place. Like, man, I'm not like, doing anything right now. I'm just like the water boy. <laughs> just holding his water while he preaches. And I remember um, he ends up leading the guy to Christ. I can tell by some of the words that he was using. He, this guy, and he, got, he put his head down, he accepted Jesus. And then I turned to Pastor Angel and I go, hey, wh- wh- what did you tell him? He goes, actually, I shared your testimony with him. I go, are you serious? He goes, yeah, I told him everything. And apparently he's living the same life that you were living. I go, you gotta be kidding me. He goes, I'm being serious. I said, my heart just sank. Because I didn't feel like I was a pawn to get somebody saved that day. I thought I was gonna be inefficient. I thought I wasn't gonna be, you know, I wasn't walking in confidence. I didn't respect my God enough. Knowing that he can work through me even without me saying anything. Did you know God can do that in your life? He can do that in your life. You may not think like you're giving people, maybe you're, you're here and you're, you're in ministry, you may not be doing the right thing all the time, but people are watching. My pastor reminded me of that years ago. Hey, I know you may feel like you're not getting any headway with them, but they're watching and you are helping them. And that's how powerful God is. And I was blown away when Pastor Angel uh, told me that. Um, And I just think, you know, we need to stand firm. Abraham Lincoln said this. He says, make sure you put your feet on the right side and then stand firm on it. In other words, make a decision. Make it to serve God. Make a decision to invite the Holy Spirit in your life. Like, make the decision. Don't just sit there and wait. And just think, you actually have to make the decision and then invite God. And then you tell God what you want. God, this is what I want, man. I want you to use me. I want you to begin to speak into my life. I want to hear your voice. I want you to be my compass, Lord. I want you to tell me what direction to go in even when I'm doubting it. I want you to help me strengthen my faith, Father. These are things you should be doing in your prayer life. But you have to make the decision to have the Holy Spirit in your life because truth is so important to how you remain obedient. Your truth is so important to how you remain obedient. It affects your lifestyle, or your, your value system, and your lifestyle. I'm reading this, all, this other book, it's, it's, it's by Ben Shapiro, it's called The Right Side of History, How Reason and Moral Purpose Made the West Great. He says this, evil may so shape events that Caesar will occupy a palace and Christ a cross. But that same Christ will rise up, split history into AD and BC. So that even in the life of Caesar must be dated by his name. Yes, the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards the justice of God. I love that quote. Because no matter what it seems, when you think it's over or the decision doesn't seem to be going your way, or life isn't taking the turns you thought it would take, if you remain obedient, truth always wins. The word of God always wins. When you can walk in confidence, and knowing you're walking in truth, walking with the Holy Spirit, you will begin to affect lives and your life when you start to put God first in these things, you start to shift your life and you begin to say things like, God, I want more wisdom. God, I want more of your Holy Spirit in my life. God, I want you to manifest in me. Nothing else. God, I want you to be the most influential thing that has ever happened to me. If you're not saying it, what do you think will happen? You need to speak it. It's not something that, I think a lot of us are just waiting for a moment. We're waiting for the preacher to lay hands on us. And us, for us to just fall over and our lives are gonna change. You know, I've fallen over like three or four times in my life during prayer. My life didn't change. Can I just be candid with you? So stop waiting for it. It's literally when I, I've sat in my room And I said, God, I'm going to spend time with you right now. That is when things started to change in my life. I made a decision intentionally, consciously. I'm no longer going to do this. I'm going to live by his word. And you know what else I started to see? I started to see my friends get filled with the Holy Spirit. I started to ask God, I want that. What they're doing, God, I know that's you. I want you to use me like that, Lord. I want that. Give me that, Lord. I want that. And I'm here to encourage you tonight. And I'm gonna gonna close with this. I'm here to really just encourage you to start having conversations with God. And maybe you're not confident in your spirituality. Maybe an addiction is so heavy that you know you'll never be able to get out of it, at least in your mind. But I've seen addictions broken in this church I've, I've seen people being delivered and you know what it wasn't a moment it was a decision they made and they made it confidently because they knew that God was with them and you know I know this sermon was probably a little maybe for some it probably was a little too practical I don't care that's what God called me to do is to be a practical preacher. I don't know if you knew that. But I want you to to get away from what the world's trying to tell you and make sure that this has the biggest influence in your life. If there's anything as a pastor, if there's anything that frustrates me more as a pastor is when somebody is given bad advice. And I knew it. I knew it. You ever knew when somebody was going the wrong way? Family member or a friend and you're like, I know they're gonna do something I don't want them to do and it's gonna hurt them. That's how I feel in this moment is I don't want any of you to be deceived by the strategies of this world. And I feel like the enemy is beginning to, just begin to operate in our lives. And honestly, it's it's God's word versus this nation sometimes it feels like and, and we need to stand for God in our lives we need to protect our minds we need to protect our spirit, our soul it should be the most precious thing to us this needs to carry influence and it needs to carry influence in your home in your marriage in every aspect of your life it needs to be there you need to have one of these at your work so people can ask, like, oh you got a bible yeah I got a bible, you got a problem with it? <laughs> You offended by a book? Why are you offended? It's just a book, right? That's happened to me. Like, oh, you got the Bible? Are you a Christian? Like, yeah. Oh, okay. And then walked away. I'm like, oh, sorry to offend you. Have a Bible at work. Have it in your car. Have it. I mean, a real one, right? Not just the app. Don't make me mad. If some of you just... I'm going to be honest, man. If all you have is an app for your Bible, you think think I'm going to believe you're reading it? You certainly ain't reading, you're reading maybe one or two verses, if that. You ain't reading full books of the Bible. Like, yeah, before bed, I'm just going to read, you know, all of Isaiah, all 60 chapters. Make it convenient to read the word of God. Make it convenient to read the word of God. So it has power in your life. So right now, what I want you to do, I want you to bow your heads. And I want to make a several altar calls tonight. The first altar call is for those that, you know, maybe you're saying, Pastor Rob, I don't, honestly, I don't know what you're talking about and I don't know about this lifestyle or these values, you know. I've never really accepted Christ into my life. And, you know, maybe, maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking, should I be doing that? And I'm going to tell you, the answer is yes. You should accept Jesus in your life. This is the most important part of our service. We believe that every soul should be saved on this earth. It don't matter where you come from, your background. It doesn't matter if you went to a Catholic church and been baptized before. It doesn't matter. We want to see people get saved, transformed by the word of God. Not by me, not by a pastor or anything like that. I wanna see people begin to live for Christ. And maybe you're here and you've never made the declaration I'm talking about. Maybe you've never invited Christ into your life and you've never asked the spirit to fill you. Maybe that's you. Maybe you've never done that. If that's you, I wanna give you an opportunity tonight. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna tell you to speak in the microphone or anything like that. But I wanna give you an opportunity to make a declaration to change your life with Christ in it and if that's you and you would like to make that declaration would you just lift your hand anyone at all just lift your hand anyone I see that Oh, okay, hands are going up I see this hand back here I see that hand back there I see that hand anyone else that want to join these, these hands that are going to be honest and say you know what I, I need to change my life. I need to, I'm i making bad decisions. And it's not based off anything biblical. It's not based off my salvation. It's not based off Christ being my Savior. And I need to make Him my Savior. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand. Lift it. There's al- you're not going to be alone. There's already people. Lift. I see that hand back there. Amen. Anyone else want to join these hands? Anyone else? I'm going to say it again. This is an opportunity that you don't want to pass up. I make the same call in my life. I had to lift my hand just like these folks are lifting their hands. I made the same declaration. I never turned back. Maybe you're struggling with addiction. Maybe you're struggling with mental health issues and you're just, you, you just don't have a good grasp on life. And you're looking for answers. If, if you're feeling a heaviness in, a, in your heart by what I'm telling you, that is not me. That is the Holy Spirit trying to draw you to him anyone else like to join these hands just lift your hand I see that hand God bless you anyone else anyone else don't pass up the opportunity folks you can put your hand down if you've already lifted anyone else I feel like there's more I see it there it is God bless you you can put your hand down anyone else amen Amen. Those of you that lifted up your hands, can you just look up at me? Again, I'm not gonna embarrass you or anything, but what we wanna do is we wanna pray with you. We wanna lead you to the Lord. Amen. So if you would just do one last thing, if you would just get up and just come to the altar and we're gonna have some folks pray with you, just come to the altar. We're not gonna here embarrass you. Again, we're gonna celebrate you. We're gonna celebrate you. Come to the altar. It's open for you guys. Amen. God bless you, my Lord. Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you know you're you're probably saying, I should be up there. I should be up there. If that's you, just come to the front. Just come to the front. Amen. Amen. Listen, the Bible tells us that all of heaven rejoices when someone makes that commitment to God. I encourage you, we're going to have some folks pray with you, but I encourage you to start getting into God's word because that's the only compass we have on this earth that is correct. And so we're going to have some people lead you to the Lord. They're going to pray with you. Just lead them to the Lord. For those of you that, maybe you're saying, Pastor Rob, I don't I don't necessarily have confidence with God. My confidence gets rattled easy. My confidence is is. Is not in the things of God. Maybe my addictions are keeping me away from God. If that's you, I'm going to open up these altars. I want you to get right. I want you to begin to get right. And remember what I said, be intentional and conversational about what you want with God in your life. Start to make the decisions now. So I'm going to open up the altar for you to begin to make those decisions. And if that's you, I'm going to tell you to come on up. And begin to pray, begin to intercede, and begin to ask God for those things. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com.